the sound of that, we know it's another episode of Brown Trout and Bridge Beers. Uh, coming in to you from Peaburg or Phillipsburg, Montana, um, we've got Matt on the mic. Hello. Uh, hi. And we have our friend uh, Ryan Aker with us here as well. How's it going, guys? Um, the Whitefish Slayer. Yeah. Whitefish Slayer, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we spent the day out fishing here in uh, Phillipsburg, uh, Western Montana area. It's a little little chilly today, but uh, I think we, we managed to find some trout with Matt's nymphing expertise. Nymph master. Nymph master Matt. Because um, we, we all have established that myself, Grant, sucks at nymphing. So, we'd have... Matt help us out with a little bit of uh, luck on that side. <laughs> well, Ryan, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, you know, who who are you? Yeah, where did, where you, did you come from? What, where the fuck? Why are you in Montana? <laughs> yeah, it's a long story. Because you weren't in the truck with us on the sixteen-hour drive over. I was not. No. no. Uh, yeah, my name is Ryan Anker. I am uh, a folk Americana musician. I play with this folk Americana band based out of Minneapolis called the last revel, uh, which I see, I think is featured in the, the intro song. Yeah. If you've been listening to the podcast, well, if you're listening to this one, you actually heard the, the intro song, uh, iron and ore still waiting on that royalty check. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're drinking it, right? You're, now. <laughs> you're drinking it right now. Yeah. All right. Fair. Uh, hams, hams is a uh, currency around this, <laughs> this group here. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I just moved to Montana about a week ago, actually. Um, Where did you move to? I moved to Bozeman, Montana. Which contradicts our couple podcasts ago, don't yeah. move to Bozeman. Yeah, yeah, we did. I listened to that one. Yeah, <laughs> Bobby was pretty adamant about telling people not to move to, move to Bozeman. But well, <laughs> I, I feel like you have a different perspective on on Bozeman. You know, what 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 got you to move from the, cause you were in twin cities for, yep. for a while. Yeah. I, uh, I've been living in Minneapolis, St. Paul for about a decade or so and, um, moved there specifically because of the music scene and, you know, trying to get kind of plugged into what Minnesota music was all about. And, um, just recently decided to make the move out West. And, you know, honestly, there's a lot of factors to that. Um, trout fishing, one of them, trout fishing would be one of them. Yeah, for sure. But, um, I mean, to be completely honest, there's a little bit of, uh, like love involved following some, following some love out to Bozeman, like so many ill-fated men before me, but <laughs> that's all right. That's a, that's a good there, reason to move west. Place to follow. A I got lucky. Too. It's not like you're going to Chicago or anything. Right. Actually, like going Iowa somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to go to Iowa. <laughs> Stay out of Iowa. But uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of making this my new home, and you know, the band's been touring the state for so long that you know it feels like, it honestly does feel like our second home. We, you know, we've made so many friends and so many connections over the years in the state um, that it has been. It it always has had like a, a very serious, like really sweet spot in our hearts. And, so. and I think you and I talked earlier, you said that, you know, one of one of the most memorable shows or one of the better shows that you probably ever had was in Bozeman mm-hmm. at the filling station. Yeah. yeah. Just the energy that, that that crowd brought is probably something that sticks in your head too, that make you say, 
yeah, I can come come here, bring my music, and and feel part of the community yeah, as well. Absolutely. Have you played the cat's paw? I have not, but I've bought liquor from the cat's paw. Nice. Yeah, I have not That's played the cat's paw. That's a quality establishment. Yeah, it in, sure is. So, for those of us who are not familiar, what did what's what is the cat's paw? It's a bar on off liquor sale. Does it have a drive through? No, I don't think so. There's Casino. a U- there's a U-Haul place right next to it. So you could pack up your pack up your liquor if you bought too much yeah. to fit in your Prius. It's essential really. It is. Um, back in the day when I went there, it was a good place to pick up crack whores. <laughs> <laughs> is that from experience? No. <laughs> I I I just said no. I just said no. Just that, said no. And that's probably a good idea. You don't want to. And I apologize to any cat's paw people fans listening to this, but that's how it was back in the day. I'm sure it's changed to a real classy joint. And this was like pre Bozeman blow up, right? Early two mm-hmm. thousands. Yeah. Like just starting to, to blow up. And you were in Bozeman for you. You came here for guide school, right? Correct. Who was that through? Uh, River's edge flash out. River's edge flash out. And you learned to uh, what tie knots and catch fish. Tie knots real fast. And Row a boat in really high water. Change, change diapers. Change diapers and <laughs> make and sandwiches on the river. Sandwiches. We grilled a lot. Uh, back row, so somebody can get their two dollar and fifty cent woolly bugger back. Um, <laughs> Very important. Yeah, but this podcast isn't about me. It's about Ryan. It is about Ryan. <laughs> so he's a boz bozonian, bozonite. Yeah. I, th- I I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Resident. I closed the door behind me on my way in. So. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> right, have you begun the transfer process of uh, becoming a straight Montana yep. for yep. 06 for life? Yep. Well, uh, life's a long time. We'll yeah, see what happens true. next. We'll see what happens next. But So, you know, you grew up, um, we were talking earlier, you grew up in Southern Wisconsin, uh, Nuclearis yep, area. That's correct. Um, born, raised down there. And then you ended up at school where at? Uh, I went to school in uh, Mankato, Minnesota, kind of Southern Minnesota down there. Um, started going there for music and ultimately switched over to aquatic biology, which was quite the, quite the transition. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, wasn't super fond of what I was learning in the music industry program there. Um, so I figured I'd switch with something that I really appreciated. Well, you said that that also gave the opportunity. You said you did a what a summer internship out West in Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of gave you the, the travel I want to travel itch. Yeah, yeah for sure. I did different things. I did an or, uh, internship with the forest service in Oregon for six or eight months. And, uh, that opened my eyes quite a bit. Yeah. It was my first time out West and, um, you know, my first time kind of on the road on my own and, um, it, yeah, it really sparked that, that desire to go see the country. And what kind of work were you doing with the forest service then? Uh, it was like watershed surveys. Okay. Yeah. It was uh, remote watershed surveys and, uh, it was wild. We saw some really cool places and, um, some really fond memories. It was really formative years. Get to check out some good water and good river and check out how yeah, they're doing. Honestly, I didn't do much fishing. Okay. Which is surprising considering that we were like working on rivers all the time, but I didn't for some reason do much fishing. I don't know why. 
Is there any of those rivers now that you look back on or like, Oh, I need to, I need to get back out there with, with a rod in my hand to go, go kind of check those places out. Yeah. You know, we, we did some, we did quite a bit of surveys in like the Southern, Southern Oregon, like, um, the rogue river and like the Siskiyou national forest. And I, I wish I would have had some gear with me at that time that in the Klamath, like the Klamath area in Northern California was also pretty incredible. And, uh, I'm still itching to get back there. So have you been fishing your whole life? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, started spin fishing when I was a kid, my, my family was really into it. Mm -hmm. You know, like camping in Northern Wisconsin was like, that was our summer vacation. You said you guys were camping out in that, uh, it's almost Boulder junction area, but like the same area, like Firefly Lake, you said you guys used to spend spend your summers up there camping for a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I learned yeah, that was, I got a ton of my outdoor experience there. It was, yeah, just, I feel really fortunate for those experiences as a kid. Cause it was, it was really special. And at that time, I'm, I'm assuming it was probably just a lot of gear fishing, you know, mm-hmm. hanging out with the family yep. kind of stuff. So what was the, you know, if there was one, what was that turning point of somebody putting a fly rod in your hand or, or I don't know what, what turned the page for you? You know, you saw so grip in Southern Wisconsin and, Green County, Wisconsin is like right on the edge of the driftless. And there is some decent like trout water, like outside of the new Glarus. And, um, you know, I would spin fish it as a kid, you know, with like Panther Martins and stuff like that. And I do all right. But then once in a while, there'd be like, there'd be fly hatches where, you know, the whole river would be on fire and I would get skunked and I'd be really frustrated. And, and I remember asking my dad, like, you know, what was going on? And he, that's when he brought up fly fishing and, um, I learned pretty much pan fishing and bass fishing on lakes and stuff like that. But ultimately once I got like that under my belt, I took it to some of the rivers outside of New Glarus. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was really, I mean, it was really simple stuff at that time. I, I honestly had no idea what I was doing and still kind of don't know what I'm doing, but <laughs> that's kind of when I like started to like really get the itch for it. Yeah. Yeah. What was your, uh, what was your first trout? Do you remember? Oh, on the fly rod. Gosh. I, there's, there's one trout that sticks out in my mind and it was this really small Creek. I bet it was like three or four feet across. It was tiny and, um, like nymphing like a little caddis underneath this like cut bank and this, what seemed like a huge Brown trout when I was a kid, you know, come out underneath. And it just, it, my heart racing, like the whole thing, I was like totally into it at that point. Like that was it. Yeah. You're hooked for life. Yeah. 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 And you know, when you actually like fully realize, like I actually did this right and I actually tricked this trout and I like actually made this happen. Like it changed everything. Like that was it for me. Awesome. Yeah. The reward that you get from those like first experiences. And like you said, the, you know, drift in that undercut bank mm-hmm. and you, then that's one of my favorite part about trout fishing is and we saw that today. We're sitting on the bridge. You can watch the fish move towards, towards your bait. Cause you're never really fishing super deep water. Did you just you say can't. bait? Shit. <laughs> we'll Worms? Cut that out. Bait? Cut it in post. Grubs? <laughs> Panther no, Martins? This, this isn't being cut. This will forever go down in I Brown Trout bait. Bridge Beer. I said bait. Podcast history. Grant said bait. The kid that bait grew up remix. in northern Wisconsin <laughs> fishing bait for walleyes said bait. <laughs> Kicked off. Kicked off. You're out. Okay. You guys are on your own. Good luck with the rest of this. 
we're gonna we're gonna see how that goes. Um, your fly Grant's gonna take his toys and go home. I'm gonna, toys and go. I'm gonna walk my ass all the way back to uh, 1500 miles. Yeah, <laughs> should be really fun. I heard North Dakota is gonna be great to wander yeah. across. Yeah. Just get get like an Uber. <laughs> I don't have enough Uber credits to get even from here to like Bozeman. So does Phillipsburg have an Uber? I wouldn't, doubt I wouldn't doubt it. It's probably going to pick you up in a cattle truck or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Jump in the back. Yeah. Put your muck boots on. You'd be hanging out with the cows in the trailer. But uh, so you were drifting a fly mm-hmm. and got to see the brown trout come out from underneath the bank. And yeah. Attack your fly. Your bait. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> uh, one mistake. Over the last five minutes. <laughs> Just one. I mean, we're not counting the thousand mistakes well, I made today fishing, but. Welcome to another episode of Brown Trout and Power Bait. Power bait. bait. Yeah. <laughs> we prefer the uh, stink bait. Um, the Berkeley Power Baits are actually quite, quite fantastic. The, and we talked about that in previous par, uh, podcasts. Is, you know, I was, and I'm using air quotes, taught to steelhead fish with um, Berkeley Trout worms. That's not fly fishing. Well, yeah, with like a giant treble hook and a super big sinker, and then you like rip it across the yeah stream bottom, and you got to make sure you got bells in your backpack though to watch out for the big bears. Yeah, on the North Shore, it's, <laughs> it's sketchy up there. Gotta watch out, <sighs> big bear, big big bear. <laughs> yeah, we did actually. We just watched the Great Outdoors a couple of nights ago, so there's a nice. lot of big bear memory uh, hanging around. <laughs> Um, all right. So that got you hooked. And, uh, you said you kind of picked it up again after, after college. Yeah. 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 I moved after, honestly, like once the band got going, we started traveling a lot more and I started bringing gear with me when we would hit, you know, go on tours. How do you convince the other band members that you need to take a detour to go fishing? Or you like pass over a bridge. You're like, we need to stop here. I feel really fortunate in the fact that my bandmates have always been also at least passively interested in it. Right. Just fishing or just being outdoors in general. That's good. Yeah. I feel really lucky because, you know, it could have been really easily the other way where. Cause non-fishers tend to not want to sit around while fishers fish. Right. Yeah. Bait. Bait. Just a lot bait. of bait fishing on fly fishing. <laughs> right. I'm never going to live this one down. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> But yeah, that took us to some really interesting places because, I mean, fortunately, the band also was fairly popular in some spots that were also great for fly fishing. So, um, yeah, did some did some great fly fishing, like all through Montana, it, like really opened up the doors for me and like through Idaho and um, even into Oregon and stuff like that. And um, yeah, you know, it's a, these little windows. Yeah. You know, I only have, you know, an hour or two here or there between soundcheck and back in the van or whatever, but those were, those were really great times. So out of uh, all the traveling that you did with the band, is there a specific spot, bridge, river, or something that really sticks out that you, you had like a, just a top 10 fire day? Well, specifically, I mean, we did this tour of Alaska in 2017 and we played Homer, Alaska on July 3rd. And we met a, an older gentleman who had a boat in Homer, Alaska. We met him at the show we played that night. And 
he offered to take us out on his boat the next day and kind of tool around the sound there outside of Homer. Mm-hmm. And, um, we ended up taking him up on the opportunity and it was July 4th of 2017. And I caught like a 25 pound King salmon Jeez. off of, wow. yeah, off the, uh, you know, off the shore there and, uh, or off the boat there. And, um, we, you know, it was just, it was easily like the biggest fish I've ever caught. And that's huge. That's a, that's a big fish. Yeah. And like the most scenic place I've ever been in my entire life. And we like, we kept it and we took it back to, you know, camp and ate it for dinner that night. And like on that the 4th whole, of July. on the 4th of July, that's, in that's about the most American thing you could probably <laughs> yeah, pull out there in Alaska. It was seriously incredible. Yeah. So that specifically, as far as like where the band's taken me, that's also cross paths with some incredible fishing. Like that takes the cake by far. That's awesome. Wasn't with a fly rod, but. I think you guys will let it we slide. Understand. Was yeah. it with bait? No, it was a spoon. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. No bait. <laughs> Just some brass. Damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you guys could see this mass is giving me just incredible glares right now that I would even utter those words out of my mouth when talking on a fly fishing podcast. <laughs> well, let's jump back a little bit. You were in the Twin Cities, you said, for about 10 years. Yeah, about a um, decade or so. Was there, you know, what was your, where were your home waters? Where did you like to fish when you were in the Twin Cities uh, fly fishing? Yeah. Um, you know, the Rush River I is near and dear to my heart. That was kind of my spot when I was living in the Twin Cities. I would, I would skip over there and hit the Rush quite a bit. Um, I did do quite a bit of lake fishing, like the Cedar Lake. I caught quite a few bass on over the years, which was really great. Um, yeah, those were, those were really my spots. I, I did a little bit of smallmouth fishing with a, a fellow banjo player by the name of Russell Peterson. And he plays from horseshoes from horseshoes and hand grenades who a uh, little shout out just had his first kid. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He's Congratulations. A, he's a Papa, Papa Russell. Um, he used to live in Durand, Wisconsin. So he lived right on the Chippewa river. And we'd float the Chippewa and he turned me on to some serious smallmouth fishing on the Chippewa, which was insane and some great pike. And he hooked into a huge muskie one day and like we didn't land it, but, um, just some seriously epic fishing on the Chippewa. So, um, yeah, that's, that was kind of my little bubble. I, uh, I got down to like the whitewater area a little bit, but. Whitewater is a good time for fishing. I mean, it was, you know, you can always go catch some fun stock of rainbows. And if you can get there when there's not all the tourists are down there too, there's right. some really great uh, brown trout fishing that you can get into as well. Were there, were there any other bands that uh, you met, you know, when your travels are playing that met some fishy dudes that you got to fish with or. Yeah. Like what's the fishing scene in band, you know, band. Yeah. Club? As far as the bluegrass scene is concerned, it's it's pretty well inundated. There's there's quite a few trout fishers out there. Yeah. yeah, I mean specifically like Russell's my main man as far as like other guys in the Midwest that I've hooked up with. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. You, you know, there's some guys from the West Coast that are really into it. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Folkalt from also from Wisconsin. He's like a folk singer songwriter he's really into it as well so it, i feel like folk bluegrass and 
fly fishing really go hand in hand. Yeah. Well, even, uh, um, Carrie is a huge fly fishing guy too. Um, dude from Bonivere. Oh yeah. That. Sean Carey. Yeah. Sean Carey. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And he's done a lot of stuff. Like he's even done shows at mend with Mike over there doing live, live concerts within the, yeah. within the uh, fly shop. So, well, that's good though. I mean, that's a, it's a good group of people to roll with and be able to, Hey, let's play some shows and hopefully get out fishing a little totally. bit afterwards. Yeah. So, you know, what's, you know, moving to Bozeman, what's, what's next? I mean, what's, uh, got anything coming up a new frontier yeah the new frontier yeah man um i just recently finished scoring the music for a documentary that is coming out this fall that i'm super stoked about that's awesome that's kind of that's kind of the next thing on my plate that i'm that i'm really excited about sharing with people um this filmmaker from livingston montana his name is eric peterson he approached me about doing the music for his upcoming documentary um about a proposed gold mine outside of Yellowstone National Park um, near Emigrant, which is south of Livingston. And the the documentary kind of follows the community of Livingston and how it kind of came up against this, this gold mine and ultimately put a stop to it in protection of like their way of life and their, you know, their, uh, Yellowstone river. And they didn't, they didn't want to, um, have something like that in their community. And I thought it was a really interesting project and I was just like genuinely inspired to be a part of it. Um, so the world premiere of that documentary is going to be at BAMP film festival this, the end of this month, um, into November. And then there's some local screenings after that. And the film is called paradise. And, um, I'll be sure to show you guys a link. Yeah, absolutely. Comes live on, uh, the interwebs. But uh, that was the first time I've ever scored music to a uh, like film before. And um, it was a new experience. Um, it was like a di- completely different set of muscles, you know what I mean? Versus like playing live or playing on an album or anything like that. It was completely different being kind of like setting the scene for something, you know, to be noticed, to be noticed in the film would be to be heavy handed. So I need to kind of like dial things back and kind of fit what's going on in the film versus like being the only thing to focus on. Right. So it was, it was, uh, it was completely fascinating. I, I love the experience and I learned a whole, a whole hell of a lot. Um, just about myself musically, to be honest. How does that process work? Do you get the, do you get the cut of the film and then you sit there and watch it and kind of figure out, what music needs to go as you step through it. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, you know, Eric would give me kind of rough cuts of the scenes and, um, I'd sit down and, you know, enjoy a bowl to myself and, uh, (laughs) just try to get in the zone and, um, try to put myself there. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a really hands-on experience. I don't think, it, it it meant a lot to me to have the scenes to work with, you know, to have the visuals to work with, to put to the music was, was huge to me. And, um, you know, that being the first project that I've done like that, I'm hoping I can do some more work like that because it's, it's, it was really interesting work and, um, really incredible. It was, it was amazing to be involved with such like a, like an important piece of art. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, if anybody's, you know, familiar with that Yellowstone region, it's definitely something that all of us have, you know, an invested interest in that you want to protect and not see yeah, they, disappear. They don't, they don't call it Paradise Valley for nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty incredible place. Some places shouldn't be mined. Yep. And that's one of them. Yeah. And I mean, that's the whole pushing back on the mine thing is huge for Montana because, I mean, they're about mining. Yeah, look at the town that we're in right now. Yeah, I mean, mining's been going on in Montana, but but for the residents to realize that there's, like you said, there's certain places that that you don't do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know? the greater Yellowstone area mm-hmm. is definitely a place that should be completely hands-off for yeah. anybody to develop or anything like that. I mean, yeah. they've, they've spent so many millions, and I would say probably billions of dollars at this point creating that Yellowstone area and keeping it and getting it pristine again, that mm-hmm. it's huge to keep that kind of stuff out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any, uh, I got to ask, is there any fishing related topics within the film there? You know, there are, yeah. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Eric, uh, highlights a couple community members within the, you know, the community of Livingston, um, as, as parts of the documentary and, um, her name is Lynette and she is the, uh, founder and owner of a brewing company in Livingston in Katabatic. And there's this really beautiful scene where her and her family are out fly fishing on the Yellowstone, um, with emigrant peak in the background and all this stuff. And, um, she, she has this really heartfelt moment in the documentary about how, um, this, this community and its way of life means so much because, of her kids and their futures. And it's not, it's not for her way of life. It's not for her living, but it's for her kids. And that, that moment in the documentary really stuck with me because it's really, it's, it's incredibly emotional and it's like, it's straight to the point. And it's like, it's something you can't argue with. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, and that, that paired with, um, Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Oh, that's all right. Um, At least you're not talking about bait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just a really incredible scene in the film. And I think, I mean, Eric highlights, Eric highlights (coughs) what the community Livingston is all about so well. It's just incredibly well that I, I, it's just, it's just an amazing piece. And um, I mean, the, the sport of fly fishing definitely gets its moment in the sun. That's for sure. Yeah, for I mean, whatever Livingston was in the past, it is currently a fly fishing town. Yeah. I mean it's and it should be. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely based on location. And you had the opportunity actually, you floated Yellowstone earlier yep. this week, right? I did with Eric and a good friend of mine, Taylor. And um all we caught were whitefish. <laughs> hey. I'm a, thinking a good day though. I'm I'm pitching this uh, this idea of starting a whitefish guiding company. <laughs> I, based on what I saw today from fishing, uh, I think you've got, I think you've got a knack for it. the hand. Yeah. You've got a good hand for the keep, white fishing. Keep as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> Native fish. I think there's a market there. There's Tap definitely market. a market for it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of that, uh, you know, the three of us did, we, we got out and did some fishing today. Um, what's, uh, what's your take? Where were we? Where were we fishing? What, what happened? 
we were fishing uh, on Rock Creek, west of Phillipsburg here, I think. Yeah. And um, some Forest Service land over there that we were lucky Lolo enough. Lolo National Forest. Lolo National Forest. Beautiful yeah. area. Yeah. Um, I met up with these guys around noon, and I think the temperature was 25 when I arrived. It was pretty cold. It's yeah. pretty cold. Scared the crap out of you when you were. I was, I was kind of zenned out, to be honest. I was walking down the river trying to find these guys, and I was a little zenned out. And um, I come around a little bit of a corner, and Matt's standing there, not even 10 feet away from me, and I just about shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a surprise for sure, but, uh, you know, day started off a little slow. Um, it was cold. It was cold. It was cold. Water was cold. Water yeah. was what? 38 when we attempted just mm-hmm. probably 10 minutes before you got down on the river. It yeah. was at 38. Yeah. It was, it was cold. Yeah. Yeah. The recent cold snap here in Western Montana has pushed back prime fishing time. A couple hours. Yeah. A couple hours later in the day. <laughs> that's for sure. Matt and Grant couldn't wait for winter to get to Minnesota fast enough. So they came to Western Montana to find it early. It happens every year. Turns out two years in a row now we've, (laughs) we've managed to uh, hit Montana. You know, next week it's probably going to be sixties, sixties and seventies all week. The streamer bite's going to be huge. I'll keep you guys posted next week. Should have been here next week. That's, that's the kind of the story of our life. Here's the thing. If we did it a week earlier or two weeks earlier, it'd still snow. It's, I mean, at this point, true. we have it set did snow a present. Last week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so was it two thirty, three o'clock? The fishing finally turned on. Matt caught about two hundred and fifty whitefish. Yeah, um, thousand yards worth of whitefish. Yeah, yeah, easily. And then Tonnage. you, you kind of disappeared. Went on a walkabout. Yeah, I got sick of listening to you too. <laughs> talking about music venues in Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you hooked, what, you hooked into a, a brown? A little then brown. A little brown. Yep. And, and, and a, a rainbow. rainbow. Yep. And then you returned from your walkabout yeah, and realized that the trout fishing, <laughs> the trout, the trout fishing's actually turned out. We don't have to catch whitefish anymore. Yeah, we had a good hour, hour and a half window of uh, good fishing. Really good fishing. Really good fishing, yeah. And, you know, we temped the water again. It came up about four degrees and made all the difference, all the difference in the world. Actually, you know, we crossed that bank and the started to actually get warm again. You know, yeah. <laughs> it could have been the adrenaline. From the, <laughs> it could have been the, 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 the fishing, you know. Um, but another interesting thing that we found out where, you know, you, you trout fish in the winter in, in the Midwest and your guides ice up and usually you can just kind of reach up and give it a flick and ice comes out in Montana. (laughs) I recommend carrying an ice pick because whatever it is, that water will freeze as hard as an ice cube. It's the minerals in the water. Very possible. (laughs) Whitefish spit. (laughs) (laughs) I've always had this idea though. I mean, they, you know, engineers can make just about anything. Why can there not be a rod manufacturer? That, like, I don't know, you put a battery at the end of it and it just heats up your guides just yeah. enough to yeah. keep, keep them from freezing up. It would take like two double A batteries. It's a thought. It's better you than trying to invent that shit. Build it. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I'm not good with those Stuff. types of things. <laughs> 
Copper. Copper, metals, <laughs> tools. Computer stuff like keyboards. I'm good at that. But when it comes to the that's your Matt, that's your wheelhouse. That's not mine. So we music, fishing. Music, fishing. What else is there in life? Yeah, I, I'd ask you if you had to pick music or fishing. I think I know the answer. I think you do too. Yeah. <laughs> fishing. <laughs> fishing, of course. Oh man. No, I, I mean, honestly, I'd have to go with music because I can make a living off music. I can't, I have yet to find a way to make a living off of fly fishing. Well, I mean, if you're going to become a whitefish guide, I, I know mean, there's literally dozens of dollars to be made. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can moonlight as a, as a singer and be a whitefish guide. It's true. You're going to be too busy whitefish guiding yeah. to, to do music in the demand, future. The demand is huge. It is huge. Yeah. And so like the, the rundown of questions that we typically ask our guests, I think you touched on your most memorable fish, your salmon. Mm-hmm. Up in Alaska. Fourth of July. Yeah. Flies or bait? Flies or bait? Yeah. Flies. Absolutely. I don't Grant, even know Grant, what spinning reel Grant anymore. Grant flies or bait? <laughs> um, flies. Bait. Flies. Bait. Uh, it depends if I'm in the canoe or not. That's a whole different world. That's a good but, question. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, typically I always like to throw flies. How about you, Matt? You, you tie a lot of baits? No, flies. That's it. <laughs> That's fair. Grant will be off the podcast next episode. Yeah. It's, it was really great uh, talking to everybody for the last <laughs> uh, few episodes. Uh, <laughs> I've been actually kind of excommunicated off the podcast here moving forward. So good luck to the rest of you. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. It'll be awesome. It'll, it will be awesome. The <laughs> um, question I actually do like to ask is what was your, what was your first fly rod setup? Um, you know, Gosh, my dad gave me this old five weight. I still have it. I gave it to actually my former roommate, Jordan. Um, I moved out of Minneapolis, you know, a week ago, or whatever. And this five weight, um, the pieces got stuck together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As it happened, you know, as it yep. does. So instead of a two piece, it's a one piece and you know, nine feet, nine feet long, I can't fit it in my car. So I'm like, Hey Jordan, do you just want this? And if I ever come back, can I borrow it? You know, so I have like a little standby five weight, but I don't even know the company. It's like Awa, A I W A. I honestly don't even know. It probably weighs 10 Iowa. pounds. Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. It, it's a heavy ass rod. That's for sure. It's my, it's my <laughs> mouse and rod when I'm back in the Midwest, I think. But, um, that was my first setup and, um, I got gifted a reel from a, from a friend, a neighbor friend of my folks. And, uh, that was my first setup and I've been a five weight guy ever since that's been kind of my jam. I'm starting to, I'm starting to, to explore some new weights here and there, but that's kind of my deal. Nice. You're, you're casting a nice six weight today. Was that a six weight? That was the, that's a six weight that weighs like a four weight. I got to have the fluffy fingers with the hook set though on the six fluffy weight. fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fluffy fingers. Yeah. Don't, don't need to, don't need to hook set too hard on those, but, uh, <laughs> got a he's got a gift for you'd be a great musky fisherman yeah just yep. kind of fucking wailing on him oh yeah <laughs> that's one thing i haven't i never learned is i can't turn that part of my brain off to do the strip set for musky or, or you know pike or whatever my, yep. my buddy russell on the chippewa tried to teach me that and i can't turn that part of my brain off to do the strip set 
keeps trout set. Yeah, I keep trout setting, even mm-hmm. with like a big pike or whatever, like a <laughs> trout set, and it of course gets away. And Grant musky sets on eight small inch eight inch trout. That's yeah, my problem. Flying out of the like water. four inch white fish, and he rips the lips <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll spend a solid part of the summer musky fishing, and you know, in, in my brain, you know, it's just strips up, strips that, and then yeah, man, now will go out in the rush and yeah, catch a you know nymph and. and, and I'm what's just, the first thing I say to you? This isn't musky fishing. <laughs> you're, you're not setting the hook on a musk. It's just, it's hard for me. Like I'm, you know, the opposite, like I've just trained my brain, but it comes in handy for mousing, you know, cause mousing, oh, yeah. you want to strip side most of the time, actually all the time. Um, but you said you actually got out and did some mousing in Montana. Yeah. I, I don't know if I should publicly say where, but. You don't have I to. Would, I would. <laughs> I'm going to hold off on that information. Yeah. Did you do well? I did pretty well. I yeah. My, my lady friend and I, um, did a backpacking trip outside of Bozeman. I'll say that. Yeah. And, uh, we, uh, we're having trouble tricking these trout on this like really slow, deep water. There's definitely fish in there, but once the sunset tying on the mouse flies really did the trick. And I've been, a um, a big fan of mousing back in the Midwest for a couple of years now. It's yeah. Once you do it, there's it's, it's addictive. I mean, it's wild. (laughs) Grant and I mouse fish quite a bit. And I know that like all I think about in the summer is mouse fishing. Yeah. We hardly fish during the day in the summer. During the day. I'm like, Nope. No, no No, fun. No, no, it's not. No. And Ryan and you and I were talking about this earlier. It's, you know, back in the Midwest, you're, you're rolling into the river at seven thirty eight o'clock at yeah. night as guys are coming off. They're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Going fishing. Nothing. I love that part of it. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. yeah don't go tell on. anybody, right? I'm just going to go look for beavers and Sasquatch. See what's going to happen. Yeah. There's, there's a redeeming, the, the redemption factor of some of these spots on the Rush River, for example, that. I've gotten skunked on so many times and I know there's fish there, but yeah. I just, you know, for whatever reason, totally fucked it up. Come back at 1030 at night with a mouse fly and you are king of the river. Oh yeah. Like there's an aspect of that, that I really, and maybe it's the ego in me just like really loves that redemption. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. I got you good. In the end I win. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, like we, and we've talked about this a bunch before on the podcast. It's that you're, you're out and it's pitch black out and you're on the river and, you know, we get ducks flying next to us. We get Sasquatch across the river ahead of us and bats, bats, totally. raccoons. Yeah. You said you've had a raccoon run in here yeah. or there. Yeah. Sneak up behind me and like stare me straight in the eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bite you in the jugular. Right. Right. There's something elemental about it, you know? That I really enjoy. It's like you're just it, even more so just kind of one with your surroundings. Yeah. You definitely zone in. <clears throat> yeah. And you don't have to worry about where your cast look like. You just have to worry about the cast isn't landing in the back of your head or hopefully not in a tree too far away and keep casting away. Yeah. Largemouth bass fishing at night. Yeah. For trouts. I'm going to miss that part of with the Midwest. You can, you can go night fishing in Montana. I, I mean, do, the bears. Yeah, I was just going to say. I'm afraid of what I might find out there. Instead of raccoons, it's a 300-pound grizzly bear or yeah. a big cat. Yeah, yeah, cats or moose. or Yeah, it's, it's a different animal for sure. 
more things in Montana can kill you yeah. than, than Minnesota. That's yeah. something also I kind of like, I mean, even the weather included, it's just, I like environments that kind of challenge me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've always been a Midwest guy and I, I think, you know, the, for, you know, it's a harsh winter and there's no, there's no doubt about it. It's a hard winter. Yeah. The winters can kill you. Yeah. The summers. If you like passed out, you know, somewhere outside in the summertime, you're going to be all right. In the yeah. Morning. You'll yeah. Be all right. Not nothing's so much gonna, in the winter. Nothing's going to eat you. Yeah. But, but I, I think that's what kind of like uh, that romantic uh, in me has always been attracted to the state of Montana for the same reason. It's these, the, excuse me, the elements here are challenging and unforgiving and forgiving. And there's a part of me that really likes that, you know, it's like, you got to be on your toes when you're even just out for a hike or whatever. Like yeah. this place is wild. Yeah. And I mean, just going from, you know, Phillipsburg to Rock Creek, you know, Grant and I were talking that 20 minutes outside of town where you have every convenience that you could ever want, you're out in the shit. Yeah. You know, there's things out there that can, you know, run you over and there's weather that can, you know, cripple you in minutes. Yeah. We were, was that Tuesday, Tuesday when the storms were rolling in. You know, we're, we were getting ready at the truck and it was, we're, we're playing the game of looking at each other. Like how much clothes, how much should we, how how much clothes should we wear? Should we really wear the rain jackets? And, you know, we're kind of looking up and looking up and I'm like, blue skies, blue skies, you know, kind of chance of rain today. I was like, oh, we should just, let's just bring the rain jackets within 20 minutes. It's 15 degree temperature shift, pouring rain, pouring rain. Yeah. And you're like, well. Pretty, pretty glad we brought the rain yeah. jackets. Yeah. You never know out here, yeah. man. Yeah. And there's, you know, I think overall the entire day, there was probably a 30 degree temperature shift from the start of the day to by the time we got yeah. off that I mean, river. that's one thing that, that I harp on or preach on our family when we come out here. You know, even though we're coming out the end of June, beginning of July, you know, I tell my wife and kids, Wherever you go, you bring your rain jacket. Yeah. Because yeah. it's either going to protect you from the rain or just give you enough of a layer when the temperature drops. Or the, the 40 mile an hour winds that yeah, decide wind. to roll through. Yeah. It's a, it's different from, yeah. you know, living in the cities. Yeah. Living out here. Where you can just kind of hop in, you know, if you, you know, let's say you're wandering around Minneapolis and weather gets weird, hop into a store. Or, yeah. Even if you are out, even up by, Myself, like up in Blaine or down by you in Cottage Blaine, Grove, Canada, Canada. You need a passport to get up there. But, <laughs> you know, you're never you're never out in it to where you could really get in trouble. Here, that's definitely a situation. Definitely. Yeah, you know, we're you know we're walking back from some of those spots fishing, and man, they're you know taking a game trail, and then all of a sudden you look down, and you're like, well, that looks like a pretty fresh pile of moose poop. <laughs> and uh that looks like some really thick brush up there or or a grouse jumps in front of you and grant gets into this like karate man hey pose. i was ready i was ready i was ready to fight that grouse yeah um <laughs> i've had like i said we were out mousing this uh the summer when we were fishing with casey from abel i had two birds almost hit me and the third bird hit me in the top of the head so Damn. there's a reason my ninja styles come out. Right. That and that grouse would have tasted good if it would have came at me. It's true. Um yeah. 
It's uh it's a wild country. It's fun though. I like it. I love it. And that's why we come out in October to fish in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> early, early winter. Uh favorite boy band. Mm. Favorite boy band. So there was some like stipulations yeah. before the I'm thinking like started. minimal. There's gotta be at least four. At least four? At least four in the boy band. I thought five was like the just like the rule. Is it? Is that is it you're five? not a boy band unless you have five? I mean, what can we agree that the Jackson four? Five was the original boy band? Maybe. Were they all boys? Where's Janet in that band too? I don't think she was. <laughs> not yet. I well, I don't know. I mean, if it's if it's four or more, then I would probably say the Rolling Stones. Is that a boy band? Does that count? Hey, if you want to call the Rolling Stones, where's the rule book? Where's the rule book? I'm not a Rolling Stones fan. I'll, I, I, you know, Are you a Beatles fan? So when, when I, I know, have, when I have, what? I, it's I'm either sorry. One or the other man, I can't. I can't do either. What? I really can't do. I can't do the. The reason I can't do the Beatles is because of Yellow Submarine, and that is one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. Oh, that's and I can't get past. I've that. had this conversation with many musicians, many friends over the years, but it's funny where, like a a piece of art that a, that an artist, we'll just say art in general, a piece of art that an artist releases later in their career taints their, inc- like the rest of their career prior to, because of that piece of art. Yeah. Yellow submarine. It just ruins all of the Beatles for you. Yep. I mean, I can't do it. It's that, that's a powerful, that's a powerful force. So now my wife, on the other hand, yeah. Uh, Charlie does that version, Rocky Raccoon. Rocky Raccoon. She loves that song. Yeah. By Charlie alone. By Charlie. I had her listen to the original and she's yeah. like, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the Stones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Stones or Zeppelin? Well, um, if you had to pick one, if I had Led Zeppelin for sure. Thank you. I, I was about wanted to, shut to be your mic off. Jimmy Page when I was a kid. Did you? I got. I had the Les Paul when I was in high school. I'm like, I wanted to be the 50 pound guitar. The 50 now. pound guitar on my neck. Nice. I wanted to be him. Um, I learned all his riffs and all that. I mean, as far as I mean, like just influential bands in my existence. Biggie or P Diddy. Biggie. Or not? No. Uh, Tupac, Biggie or Tupac? Oh, Biggie, Biggie. Yeah. Also, don't have to shut his mic off anymore. No. <laughs> uh, I feel, yeah, you're hitting all the right. All right, all the right notes here. Right. I'm not. I'm not the hugest music guy in the world, so I'm trying to think of some other ones. But uh, you, you said influential band. So Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. uh, Page is. You know, who who else kind of helped mold you into the artist that you've uh, now become? You know. Um, I was thinking about that in the drive up today and um, somebody that's kind of underrated in my opinion that has had a huge influence on me um, is a man by the name of John Hyatt. And I don't know if you guys know who that is or not, but he's kind of a folk folk uh, country songwriter back in the day. And um, he has an album called crossing money waters that, I realized in hindsight, just like completely changed my life. That's like first time I heard the mandolin and the banjo. And like first time I really connected with that sense of music was this album. And um, yeah, just a huge influence on me. Um, you know, I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for Neil Young. 
love that guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the, I mean, you know, another example, like there's some eras of Neil Young that I can't stand. Yeah. Like some music he's released that, I mean, if he's listening, maybe he's a huge trout fisherman and he says, you never <laughs> if know. He is, sorry, uh, Neil. Reach, reach out, Neil. Uh, <laughs> we'll give you a shout out. But, uh, you know, there's some eras where I can't, I don't get it. You know, it doesn't click with me, but yeah. I appreciate that he just did whatever he wanted. Yep. And he yeah, released whatever music true. he wanted to release. And, you know, the, the harvest era of Neil Young is what I love. And I know I'm not alone in that sentiment, but um, he's a musician that released whatever he wanted to do. And I think that's great. And I think as far as musicians go, that's what you should be able to do. And then I, I have to imagine as a musician and the amount of constraints that probably get put on you once you actually get signed into a contract, that's probably kind of difficult to do, Yeah, you know, at that level, yeah, you'll just kind I'm of sure. produce and do what you want. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I, I, I imagine that there's an era of the music industry with record labels and contracts that was really constricting. And I'm sure some musicians can attest more than me to that, but, um, I mean, you know, that form of expression should be as free forming as it wants, you know, do whatever you want. And if somebody doesn't like it, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I, that's something I'm trying to wrap my head around is like, you know, I'm a musician and I turned 30 this year and, you know, I'm, I'm entering a new era of making music and I'm, I'm starting to kind of trying to comprehend this idea that music you make now might not resonate with somebody as much as music you made five years ago. And well, and the thing with art, you know, and I, I dealt with this with photography too, is, you know, as an artist, you want everybody to like your stuff, mm -hmm. your work, whether it's music or paintings or photographs or flies. Flies. Yeah. That's art. But, but not everybody's going to like it and mm -hmm. you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Which, but it, that's hard for artists because artists are pleasers. You know, they want people to like, they, they feed off people liking their stuff. So, I mean, mm -hmm. as a musician, you have to accept the fact that, you know, not everybody's going to like all your music. Mm -hmm. You might like a song mm -hmm. or two mm -hmm. and, and you got to be okay with that. Yeah. I think. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I found that out with photography. I mean, some of the pictures I took, I really liked. I know a handful of people that liked them and a whole bunch of people that didn't. Yeah. You know, and, and you just have to focus on the the six people who liked it. Yeah. Just make block more. Out the, block out the rest of the noise. People who didn't. You know, I, as a band, you know, how, how did you guys, you know, was there a lot of that to overcome as, as you guys were kind of growing and, and, and moving into who you were as, you know, the last rebel? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the, for what the last revel is, it's been through a lot in the last, you know, seven years, eight years as it's been around. Um, when we first were starting out, you know, it was a trio and I was playing banjo and we had fiddle in the band and people just kind of generally categorize us as bluegrass. And I totally get that because you hear these instruments and you hear it in a certain way and you just kind of automatically assume that it's bluegrass, but there's so much about the like traditional style of bluegrass that we were not about. Right. That 
in my opinion, you know, we were never trying to be a bluegrass band. We were just kind of using these like traditional instruments to make the music that we heard, you know? Um, so we, we battled with that quite a bit, you know, people just kind of categorize us as a bluegrass band. And we fought that for a long time. Like, look, we're not trying to do that. We're trying to focus on writing songs and yeah, we're trying to focus on like presenting a folk minded songwriting, not necessarily like a jammy bluegrass thing. So we fought that pigeonhole for a long time. Um, and now even more so, you know, the band through the band went through a decent amount of transition in the last year and a half where now it's more folk rock country rock than it was even bluegrass. So now it's like, there's a drummer involved and there's a bass player involved and I'm playing a lot more electric guitar than banjo. So now we're fighting, not necessarily fighting. That's the wrong word. We're, we're going through this transition of people thought we were a bluegrass band, even though we weren't. And now people thought we we're now we're going to this folk country realm when people thought we were a bluegrass band, but we never were. So it's like, <laughs> it's always been a moving target. You know what I mean? So we've been, you know, it's, it's always been something that we're, we're struggling to define as we go along. And I think, I mean, as, as much as it's been challenging, it's also been, that's kind of the thing that kind of keeps me into it. You know what I mean? It's, it's the thing I'm, I'm trying to define still myself as our listeners are still also trying to define for themselves. Yeah. So I got another one, yeah. Jim Croce or Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> and what kind of day is it? You know what I mean? What kind of mood am I in? Uh, you just going, got off the river. Fish. Yeah, you oh. just got off the river and you caught a thousand whitefish. Well, then Wu Tang Clan for sure. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm go, if I'm on my way to the river, and it's you know ten in the morning, and the sun's just coming up or you know coming over the mountains or whatever, and I'm just finishing my coffee. Then it's a Jim Croce kind of morning, right? I'll respect that. Yeah, but in the afternoon on the way back to town, after a bridge beer, then it's Wu Tang. Wu Tang ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> That's what they say. Well, I, I have something to do compared Jim Croce against Jim Croce or John Prine. John Prine. Thank you. That's easy. Thank you. Very I mean, much. I love Jim Croce for sure, but like John Prine is like a, a oh. poet beyond poets. And it's, he's like the common man's poet and God bless him. And I'm so grateful that he's still around. Yes. And I got to see him in Duluth in 2015 or 2014 or whatever it was. And it meant the world to me. Yeah, I had the pleasure of uh, seeing him at uh, in Wassa at the State Theater. Yeah, and this was probably ten years ago now. And at that time, I think he was like sixty-seven or something like that. Yeah. He played for, rocked out for like two and a half hours yeah. straight. Peter Brown opened for him. Yeah, it was just amazing. Epic like show. And like yeah, and like all these songs that I've heard since I was growing up, and he's up there just, just ripping out, just continually going. I'm like that. That is a guy that loves what he's doing. He's figured out, he knows who he is. He's not trying to please anybody. He makes yeah, his I mean, music. He bait. He does fish bait. He's probably a bait fisher. He's probably a damn good bait fisher. <laughs> right? With a cane pole even probably. <laughs> Can't blame him for that. No, not at all. Cane fishing, bait fishing. Ryan likes to trout fish. Grant's a bait fisher. I'm a bait fisherman. We all know that. Filthy. Dirty. It's dirty. Uh, at least I'm not a Kinkara fisherman. I mean, <laughs> they're worse things. Oh, you're, you're debating. You're like, all right, is it, 
You're debating your fishing partner right now. You're like, uh, he's a bait fisher. We, I mean, we've already like tried to interview for a new one and found out that I'm the best fishing partner I could ever hope for. Yeah. You and you alone. It's, that's all you need. I mean, by default, Grant got, you know, put back in that spot. But now that I found out that he's a filthy whore bait fisherman, (laughs) I need somebody else. (laughs) So send your resumes in again once. Once again, to brown trout and bridge beers. Yeah. Well, Ryan, we'll do a quick interview for you for a uh, um, potential fishing partner. Sandwiches. Uh, right. sandwiches. Sandwiches. If you're going to make sandwiches. A, yeah, on, on river sandwich, what are you making? Hammer turkey. I would do salami and cheese. Is I, that's I, he's is my that, fishing partner. Is that <laughs> is that part of that's the rules? Not a sandwich. Sure, that it is, is completely a fuck? sandwich. <laughs> of course, butter, it is. butter or mayonnaise. <laughs> Mayonnaise. Oh, you're out. Butter. Next. Next. Mustard. <laughs> right answer is mustard. <laughs> All right. Wh- where do you fall on hot dogs? What about them? <laughs> well, there are, there are a couple couple camps of hot dogs. There are the all beef camp. Mm-hmm. There are the original Oscar Myers. Mm-hmm. Those are tasty. What what camp do you fall in? <laughs> Honestly, I'm not picky when it comes to hot dogs. I will eat that's anything that's in front of me. That's actually a pretty good, pretty good answer. Quite like beer. I like the craft beer, but I also enjoy the domestic. The good hams. Good hams. I don't know where to take that comment. I mean, is there anything else but hams? <laughs> didn't There's out of water. I was going to say. Otter water is pretty good. Yeah. Some, didn't you drink some locally brewed beer tonight? When, when I saw in, you drink quite a few in, Phillipsburg <laughs> or actually one in Montana. Yeah. You drink otter water. Otter water. I think that's tasty. really great though. I think that's a great aspect. Like it's a, it's a unique aspect of communities in general. I mean, even just like Minneapolis, St. Paul, whatever neighborhood you're in, there's a brewery that makes good beer. Drink local. Yeah. Drink local. Even yeah, like, exactly. like local within local. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. And I don't know, it's, it's better than, you know, support local. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Well, Hams is technically a Minnesota brewery, so was was was. It's more, yeah. Who is brewing Hams now? Uh, Probably Anheuser. Yeah, yeah. Which is sad. That's all right, though. We love you, Hams. We do love you, Hams. <laughs> and and again, hey, Hams. You know, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> we're still, still been waiting for that response in that uh, sponsorship letter we sent you a while ago. So all we're looking for is a thirty case a month, thirty pack a month, to just get us through a podcast or two. Um, I don't think it's too much to ask. No, no, not at all. Um, well, is there any questions you ask for us? Um, as well, really for Matt because he's a much f- more experienced fly fishing bait master than I am, and better looking. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. You know, I mean. I feel like I picked up quite a bit uh, just watching you guys, both of you, but like I picked up, I picked up quite a bit just like in the nymphing techniques today. Yeah. It's always good to fish with other people just totally because you pick up little things. Yeah. Same with like tying flies, you know, the more people you can tie flies with or watch tie flies, you know, the better fly tire you'll, you'll become. It's a lot like play music. The more music you play with people, but, um, specifically just like mending in general, you guys make it kind of seem like it's something you don't even, it's like second nature. It's like 
in the back of your mind. You just kind of yeah. do it without thinking about it. Yep. So is, is there any advice you can give to somebody who's like trying to, well, fine tune is mending. I'll, I'll start. Um, cause Sunday, you know, we fished that spot that we fished today and, uh, Matt had to give me another crash course on nymphing in proper water, like faster, faster moving water. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta watch your line. You gotta make sure your line's tight because there is, you know, that first afternoon we're out, who knows how many fish I missed because the amount of slack. 742. (laughs) 742 white fish. I missed that first day. (laughs) Giant Um, brown trout. Probably giant and a couple of bulls, I'm sure, but we're not fishing for those. Um, so yeah, it's, it's to me, from my perspective, it's a game of, you know, keeping that line tight and getting that mend early in your drift. So you're not mending at where the fish are. Yeah. The primo spot. Right. right. You know, yeah, you want to, you definitely want to set up your drift before you get to where you're, you're fishing. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, you guys were doing men's before it even hit the water. And I yeah. I mean, if you're mending, if you're mending when your indicator is even with you, you're way too late. Yeah. You're, you're too late. Shit. So like, you know, it's, you're casting up and you watch and what Matt was trying to explain to me when we first got out here is, you know, you're watching it come through and it kind of hits that, I don't know, 40 feet, 45 degree mark off your chest, right up to your right. If you're casting up to your right and it's, it's as easy as just lifting your rod tip and throwing a flick in it mm-hmm. to get that line to come through. And then, you know, as far as keeping keeping slack out of it, it's as easy as just raising your rod tip up yeah, until it gets past you and then laying it back down as it's going downstream of you to keep that line tight so you can see that indicator yeah. drop. Because when we fish back in the Midwest, Matt and I always fish yarn. And yarn is, you know, instantly when that's going down. Yeah, like a yarn indicator. Yep, yarn a lot, indicator. A little more sensitive than a thingamabobber. Or thingamabobber. What, and, or an and, airlock or whatever we're fishing today. And like, and like you had mentioned, those airlocks, by the time you see that airlock go down, mm-hmm. they've had it for a reasonable a, amount a of time. A second or two. Yeah. Enough that they can start spitting it out. Yep. So you got to be, you got to have that line tight to where you're ready to yeah. lift that, just a firm lift up to set yeah, that Yeah, I mean, we we saw it today. Grant um, is guilty of this more often than not. But the the best way to set on a trout is to pick up your line like you're picking up for a back cast. And you don't need to, you know, musky strip set it. You just lift it up like you're going to back cast. And if, you know, if it was if it's hanging up on a rock or, you know, the fish got off, you're not, you're, you're already in a back cast. Yeah. So and you're you, immediately ready to cast back out and you get set another like drift a back in. cast. And you know, if there's nothing there, then you just shoot it back out and you're fishing again. Yeah. Yeah. Back to it. That's the, that's the best way that I can describe setting on a trout. Yeah. Is, you know, especially, you know, the nymph fishing that nymph we're doing today. I mean, and, you know, everything is, you know, you dry fly fish and you want to give them a definite, you know, one, 1,000 before you, you set the hook, you need to get their head turned back down or you're going to rip that fly right out of their mouth. Um, streamer fishing, you know, you definitely, when they hit, you need to strip set that and, you know, don't, don't strip set upstream, Grant. <laughs> you want to go off to the side, yeah, and, you know, down, down if you can. 
Because uh, that's what I did when you showed up today. That's exactly what I was doing. Got to go downstream with that. Yeah, huh? or to the side. You don't want to rip the fly out of their mouth when you're trying to hook them. Mm. Just a lot of things to you know constantly think about, but but that's what makes fly fishing fun. Yeah, just constantly you know, learning. There's yeah. so much to learn, and and when when you know it all, then you just change your name to Kelly Gallup, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're a huge, huge YouTube, huge sensation. fly fisherman. Uh, yep, they needed the rod case at vaults on top of your car, probably oh a Tacoma or Forerunner. Um. No Subarus. No. 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 <laughs> I mean, we're full on diesel burning. Chevy Ford. <laughs> Power stroking. Power stroke. Power stroking diesels. But uh yeah, I mean, yeah, and and I could watch watch you nymph today and watch you change and kind of mimic, you know, what, totally. what Matt's doing on the nymphing or mm-hmm. You know, trying to trying to figure it out that way, and then and like you said, that's just comes with fishing with other people. And I'm I'm sure in the music world, you've picked up a thousand things playing with or watching different artists too. Yeah, totally. so um, yeah, that's just something to think about. Go fish with other people. Yeah, or just watch, just watch, watch people fish or watch videos, anything like that. Uh, it's always don't help. don't watch videos. Go fish with other people. Yeah, go fish with go. other people. Screw the internet. Yeah. Connect with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> send send a message to the person that the local person that you like to watch, you know, see on Instagram and whatnot. And you're like, hey, let's go fish. You'd be surprised. Nine times out of ten, I would say, well, specifically in the Midwest, they'd say, Yeah, sure, let's let's pick a date. Let's go out. Let's yeah. uh, let's go fishing. We'll you know, and they're they're gonna they're gonna Ryan, share. I mean, we I'd never met you. Yeah. And Grant Met you a hand, couple times, a handful of times at Drunk like clubs. shows, yeah, like a turf club or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah, <laughs> that, those kind of interactions. And but we've never fished together, no. and we're out in you know middle of nowhere, Montana, and we hook up on a river and fished all day. Yep, now it's a level playing field. Yeah, yeah, that is the nice thing. It's uh, y'all are out there trying to do your best and kind of feed off of each other, and you know you get your ebbs and flows of excitement or trying to stay warm on the river, especially on how cold it was today. Um, but like you said earlier, all of a sudden we started catching fish and I didn't know it was cold anymore. Yeah. So didn't think about it. And maybe that was the sun. I don't know, but it could have been anything. <laughs> it was probably the fish. It was probably the fish. Um, but yeah, I'd, uh, you know, like to thank you for, uh, hey, coming out and fishing. I mean, you drove yeah, all the way from Bozeman. Uh, that's huge. And sitting down with us, having some beers, chilling out. Uh, if people want to find you or talk to you um, on the devil interwebs, uh, how would uh, how would somebody find you or, or find your music, really? Well, you can find my music with The Last Revel, and um, we're all over the social media and um, on the interwebs and all that good stuff. Um, anything more related to specifically what I'm doing, um, I'm also all over the social medias. My name is Ryan Aker. And, and how do we spell that last name? A-C-K-E-R. There it is. <laughs> Find him on the Instagrams. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I sure appreciate it, guys. Yeah. and we'll, a lot of fun. And when that uh, when that film comes out, we'll be sure to get the link from you and, yeah. and try to share that out so you guys can uh, 
take a watch, you know, take some, uh, take an interest in, in that, that cause. And hopefully we can continue good things moving forward for this area. Yeah. Really across, across the, uh, North America's. Yeah. Keep that going. Well, um, what else? Oh yeah. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, anything that plays a podcast. Yeah. I think, I think we've covered them all by now. So, uh, you know, hit all the stars if you want, like if you shares, don't tell your buddies, tell your buddies, um, send us some comments. Uh, we've got stickers, uh, koozies, those types of things. We have a new sticker out that actually, uh, doubles as a sticker for the end of your rod tube. So it's we'll pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. We'll, uh, post we'll get a photo picture of that. up on the gram on the gram for y'all. Um, and yeah, just uh, send us a direct message on Instagram. We can figure out the rest from there. But uh, thanks for listening. And we will uh, talk to you guys next time. See you later.